Welcome to On The Move from the Texas A&M Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management. In this episode, we hear from Dr. John Buchanan about research and career opportunities in kinesiology. Welcome to another episode of On The Move. I'm Chelsea Reber, and today I'm joined by Dr. John Buchanan. He is the program chair for the kinesiology department at Texas A&M. Dr. Buchanan, thank you so much for joining me today. Oh, you're welcome. Tell me a little bit more about yourself and how you got to Texas A&M. Well, it um, all starts a long time ago. Uh, my background is in psychology, and so I got my first degree at University of Texas at San Antonio. Uh, then I went to a small school in Florida to work on a master's degree and see what I thought about research. And, uh, and I met a guy there uh, who became my advisor, and I ended up, uh, I thought what he was doing was very exciting in terms of the area of uh, movement control and learning. And uh, so I was able to uh, get to meet him and able to get to work with him. And so um, I got a degree there in, uh, again, in psychology and complex systems and brain sciences. And from there, I did a postdoc in Portland, Oregon, uh, looking at um, vestibular and uh, spinal con- uh, vestibular control of uh, balance and, uh, and posture. And, um, and at that time, I was married. And... Uh, my wife and I had our first son, and uh, I needed a job that paid more. So um, I was looking for jobs, and you know, and this one came up here at A and M, and I didn't want to come back to Texas because uh, I grew up here. Mm-hmm. So I said to my wife, "I don't want to come here." She says, "Apply for the job." I said, "No, if I apply, I'll get it." <laughs> uh, so I applied, and I got the job. And uh, so we moved here in 1999. And we've been here ever since. And I was going to say, you're still here. So it must have been an okay fit. I think for the most part, it uh, it's worked out well for us uh, all around. Uh, and so, yeah, I don't I don't regret uh, coming here and taking the position. No. Okay. So you're at a party and someone says, oh, what do you do? How do you explain to somebody uh, not just what you do, but what is kinesiology? Well, that kind of happens because a lot of people, if I'm telling them in, I'm in kinesiology, they say, oh, PE. Right. <laughs> and I say, I know nothing about PE. Uh, that was four years ago. Uh, I say kinesiology today is really about how the body moves and uh, all the different systems that contribute to that movement. Mm-hmm. So to me, that's what it's about. It goes from the uh, molecular to cellular level through the muscle up through the spine, to the heart, the lungs, into the brain. Uh, and all of these features are involved in this thing we call kinesiology. So what areas do you specialize in? My area was initially in just what is called motor control. Okay. Which is just how you control the way you move. Mm-hmm. Maybe not with learning or anything else. Um, but since then, I've gotten into um, how you learn how to move. And I've also uh, investigated how your perception influences the way you move and how the way you move influences your perception. Uh, Because perception is very important when it comes to um, learning by watching others, Mm. okay, through observational learning. And so I've also done uh, research on that. You mentioned the word posture earlier, and Mm -hmm. I immediately tried to sit up straighter. Okay. Um, (laughs) Do you walk around looking at people and just thinking all of the things they could be doing differently? I try not to do that. Probably drive yourself crazy. (laughs) I mean, mean, you would. Uh, And no, I mean, I just look at people uh, 
And if I see them, I just kind of look, well, are they moving okay? Mm -hmm. Are they moving efficiently? Mm -hmm. uh, or do I notice things about the way they move that might suggest a problem? No, I'm not a, I don't diagnose anything, but when you've had enough experience, you get exposed to that and you kind of, it directs your, or it captures your attention, mm -hmm. these types of things. How does the kinesiology department at Texas A&M differ from others around the country? I'd say we're we're very similar to most kinesiology departments. Okay. Um, we have people who look at exercise. Uh, they look at clinical exercise, sport exercise. Uh, we have people like me who look at um, the behavior and the brain connection. Uh, we also have people who look at uh, disease states. Um, so we have people who are looking at aging. Okay. Mm -hmm. And uh, we have people who look at nutrition. Uh, and how that influences um, your body, mm -hmm. okay, which influences your brain, which influences the way you move. Uh, and then we also have people who are looking and addressing issues, things like fatigue. So I think um, if you look at most kinesiology departments that are really focused on research, especially like at a school like A&M, mm -hmm. I think you'll find a lot of those same types of things going on there. What is some current research that you're working on right now that really excites you? Currently, I'm um, trying to learn how to use in um, what is called uh, TDS stimulation, transcranial direct stimulation, and also uh, TMS, uh, transcranial magnetic stimulation. And we have a, we have a new faculty member here who's an expert in TMS. And so he has been uh, helping some of us really learn how to use this type of technology and to figure out how to use it to study a lot of the things we studied before, but now with a, a way in which to kind of tap into neural processes uh, a little more directly, although it's not invasive. I'm sure you have some students who come through the program and, and maybe research isn't necessarily the, the thing that they think they're interested in. Um, where, what have you found when, when students kind of discover research, maybe like you did, uh, you know, when you first started in this program or in this field um, and how that can, can really open so many doors? I think students that um, discover research, they become um, very excited about uh, trying to find a solution to some kind of problem, okay? Uh, and, and they become very excited about um, designing experiments that actually reveal something, okay? Uh, now, sometimes it doesn't reveal something new. Sure. Uh, but they're still excited because mm -hmm. they may not know that yet. Uh, but other times it does re reveal insights. And I think it's, um, it's very rewarding to see students that get excited about research. Uh, and who, who want to try to tackle the issues that um, we're kind of confronted with, which is it's kind of understanding ourselves mm -hmm. at a certain level. I can imagine that there is some research that you've been working on for years. And correct me if I'm wrong, but how do you stay motivated to keep working on an answer that maybe you just don't feel like you're gaining as much ground as you thought you might at the beginning? Well, that's a very good question. Um, I think the way to stay motivated, and that's, a, that's the advantage of being in our, our division, is that we have a, a group of about five people who all focus on this idea of motor control, motor learning in, in some way. And so I think uh, we continually meet on a regular basis. And I think uh, exchanging ideas uh, with other people, people to talk to, this, this is what can keep you motivated. Mm -hmm. If you get isolated, 
uh, then it gets very easy to be discouraged. There's no doubt about it. You mentioned all of the the different areas that kinesiology covers here at Texas A&M. Do you sometimes hear maybe conversation from something in a different field and you're like, oh, how, how can I apply that to what I'm doing right now? Um, is there a lot of communication in the department as a whole? I think uh, our department does a pretty good job. Um, I mean, I, you always hear rumors from other places about no, how nobody talks. <laughs> uh, and, and, you know, we're all people. Sure. Uh, and so we can all can get aggravated. But I think for the most part, as a group, uh, we, we do a pretty good job of talking to each other. And we do have people in, in my area and in the exercise area that have done collaborations. Okay. Uh, and so I think we, we try to encourage it. We don't necessarily say, well, this has to be done. But if people talk and they, and they get linked up, then I, th I think most of us will try to follow that. Uh, and I think that's a good thing. And again, that just helps to keep you uh, engaged. Mm -hmm. What is the most interesting piece of research that you've been a part of? I, I don't really, I mean, I think before I got here, I think the, um, I did a lot of good stuff when I was in Florida. Okay. But I think when I got exposed to the postural stuff, that was new to me because we were looking at, uh, at patients mm -hmm. and, uh, it was, it was very exciting because it was different from what I was doing in that it was looking at how three different sensory systems are involved in helping us to remain upright, maintain our balance, mm -hmm. uh, and so on. Um, since I've gotten here, what's kept me kind of going is, the is the connection between, um, how learning to move changes our perception of how we move mm -hmm. and also changes our uh, ability to identify how other people move and to use that information. So I would say uh, here I've focused and it's kind of shifted to this whole notion of more learning mm -hmm. uh, than it has just been the control part. Uh, and so that's helped me to stay motivated. Uh, and, and again, the last shift has now been in terms of these uh, non-invasive brain techniques mm -hmm. uh, as, as a way to try to... Uh, tap in and see if we can influence learning and understand how the nervous system controls things better. Uh, so those would be kind of the three things that I would say. I feel like in the news, we hear a lot about how people need to move more. Is that true? Well, I think they need to move. Okay. Uh, I'm, I think it's just good for you. Sure. Uh, moving is just good for you. Uh, but um, from a philosophical point of view, if you want to understand how we move the understand the world, it's because we move through it. Mm. This is how we get information. Uh, this is how we uh, come, in, come into contexts that are going to make us change the way we move or, or push us to the edge when it comes to moving. Uh, and so I just think moving in general is a way to know the world. And I also think it's uh, very healthy for you. Uh, I think there's a lot of research that demonstrates that, that some type of movement um, is just good. We're, we were designed I think to move, but now I can just sit at my table or at on my couch and I can move through the world by just looking at a screen. You can. And, um, I would say get off your couch, uh, <laughs> on, on occasions and go move through the world. Sure. It, it's just important to do. If students who come through your program, maybe they are interested in the research you're doing and you're involved with, but they don't want to continue in, in further education, what are some fields that they might get into where they can still apply that education? That's a good question. We, we've recently had a couple of master students that have finished, and we've had some in the past. Mm -hmm. And a lot of those students, uh, they're coming in and they're wanting to get into PT or OT school. Okay. And so we've had some recent graduates that have been able to do that. 
Uh, and so I think that's one direction the students can go. Um, students can also, if they decide, well, I'm just going to get a master's, is a lot of times they may try to work in a clinic with that degree, not necessarily as a PT or OT, but just get a job in a clinic doing something because sometimes clinics do research. Mm -hmm. And uh, and then they can just kind of go in there and feel around to see. Because, I mean, it's a big question, do I want to do a PhD? Mm -hmm. it, it's, it shouldn't be an easy process. Uh, I think it should be a very difficult process because you're, you're really trying to become an expert in something. Mm -hmm. uh, and uh, But um, I think our students have been successful in, in those ways. And I know we've also had some that even after a PhD, they just decide, I don't want to do research. I'm just going to go teach. Mm. And so we've had some that have gone to smaller universities and they're teaching. And I have no problem with that because it's their choice. Sure. But I think uh, what they get exposed to here uh, will benefit them uh, in whatever direction they go. And you do both, correct? You teach and you have the research side of yes, things. That's okay. correct. Okay. Uh, what do you like about those separately? I think the research part is um, just really about trying to figure something out. So I'm a person who will be willing to take something apart and try to fix it before I take it somewhere else. And so I think um, science is kind of like that, right? Can I figure out how it works? Uh, teaching is about trying to um, convey to, in, to people what you know about how something works and, 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 and the idea of how it might be applied to something. Um, again, our program's not really an applied program, but a lot of our undergraduate students want to be PT, OT, and so there are points throughout the course where I always try to bring in something applied just to get them to think, but I also try to get them to think about how the science is raising questions about even application, okay, not just understanding in general, but about application. And if students are listening and they want to get more involved in research, how would they go about doing that? Here at A&M, uh, we have... Um, undergrad research opportunities and basically they're through like uh, courses called uh, Kinesis 645 and Kinesis 491. Mm -hmm. And these are just uh, ways in which they can go in and work in a professor's lab. Uh, typically it involves getting uh, or linking up with the graduate student that's doing a project. Uh, and then they can get involved in, so in our area we actually run humans through our laboratory. And so they can get in there and they can get involved in collecting the data and analyzing the data. Uh, and if they want to, they can even get involved in uh, writing the manuscript or submitting something to a conference with us. So I think there's a, a lot of ways that it can be done. And I think A&M um, encourages a thing called Student Research Week, uh, which is basically every year they have students submit abstracts to present research. And so we've had students from our area do that in the past and still do it. You mentioned that you actually have humans coming through the lab. Mm -hmm. So how does how does that work? Because, yeah, obviously what you're studying and the research that you're doing, you need, I'm assuming, live humans to study the movement and, and the issues that arise and things like that. So can you give me a little bit more background of how you're able to set up those research labs? For studying humans, it usually involves some kind of um, emotion system or a system that can... Um, detect when a person's moving. And there's a lot of different variations on those things. Uh, or, it, or it may be involves some type of um, device that will measure forces that a producer, mm -hmm. person produces, uh, all just depending on what you're studying. Uh, and then there's also a lot of computer tasks 
that we can use to um, have people interact with. Uh, and so there's a wide range of techniques that we utilize to capture data. Um, but um, in our area, we also have people who look at cellular mechanisms. Okay, uh, and so like I said, the kinesiology here it really expand it really spans the entire system, mm -hmm. uh, and that's what I think uh, makes A and M a pretty good place to be in terms of kinesiology. Is we have people tapping into it at all different levels. You mentioned technology, and it got me thinking about fitness trackers mm -hmm. and how so many people in the general public are wearing something somewhere. Um, how do you feel about that? And, and do you think that it's good for people to kind of be aware of how their body is working? I, I realize some of them may not be as accurate as we think they mm -hmm. are. Um, but yeah, I'd just like to get your take on that. Well, we actually have some people who are using those things in experiments. Okay. Okay. So there are people who are doing that. Um, I think there is, they're probably as accurate as anything else um, as, as far as that goes in terms of just being attached to the body. Mm -hmm. um, it all depends on what your question is. Um, I personally don't wear one, even though I exercise, because I just don't want to know <laughs> all of that stuff. I don't want to keep track of it. Uh, but again, I think the big issue um, is, is it giving you information that's important for you? And so I think uh, people who are doing research are trying to answer these kinds of questions. So if we can measure something one way, but we can also measure it with one of these watches or a ring or something else, are we getting information that's uh, that's complementing, okay, uh, that's leading to the same outcome, the same understanding? And I think that's a key thing when it comes to any type of device. You can find out so many things in your research, but you also have to convince people to do the right things to stay healthy. Um, do you, maybe you don't have to. Yeah. Um, are you seeing that becoming more and more challenging in today's world? Having the answers to, to living healthy and moving, um, but not seeing it actually applied in people's real lives. I don't think, uh, I think, well, I think the big difference that I've seen in my own lifetime is we have more information, but the question is, can you determine what's really good? Mm. That's that's the big thing. But I that's why I, I go back and I say, if people will just move, if they just walk, if they just exercise, and if they try to eat a balanced diet, that's always a good place to start. And I'm not an um, expert on nutrition, but that's just what seems to be common sense. Mm -hmm. uh, but we do have people here who are studying things like nutrition and what's the best type of food intake if you are exercising intensely. Uh, and I know there's a lot of research on that. Sure. Uh, the big challenge for um, non-experts is sorting through it. I was going to say there's so much information mm -hmm. out there now. And there's so, you know, not to even get into the fad diets and the nutrition, like you said, but the uh, the different exercise cl classes and, and fitness regimens and things like that. Um, I'm sure it's just overwhelming for some people. Oh, it's overwhelming for me Yeah, sometimes. Yeah. I, I think um, a key thing is a person has to find something that they enjoy it. So if they go to an exercise class and they don't like it, I would have no problem if they said, I'm not going back. Sure. Uh, if they find one they do like, then I'd say, then maybe that's something you should continue because I think it would be a benefit mm -hmm. for them just from an exercise point of view, movement point of view. You've mentioned walking a couple of times and there's been that magic 10,000 steps a day. Mm -hmm. That's that's kind of been out there. Um, what is your recommendation? 
I don't know. I think about that too. If I feel I'm okay, I've been sitting too long. I need 10,000 steps. I don't know what the number is. I mean, it used to be that it was 10,000 hours of practice. I mean, I, I really don't know. Uh, I think a lot of research is really showing that that can vary with each individual. And it may vary depending on where they are in their life. And also possibly uh, it may vary if they already have pre-existing medical conditions. And that's where, again, it's important for them to talk to some expert in that area to try to figure out, is 10,000 the number I really need mm -hmm. uh, or do I need something else? And then finally, to go back uh, to your teaching aspect, um, what do you hope that students take from your class? I hope that they walk away with um, a better understanding of critical thinking um, is, is what I really hope. Um, I think uh, that's important in the world today. Um, I think a lot of people are just kind of relying on other people to do the critical thinking for them, where I think you need, you need to learn to think that way yourself. Um, I think it'll help advance them mentally, uh, and it'll just be better for them overall. Well, Dr. Buchanan, is there anything else you'd like to add today? Uh, I don't think so. All right. Well, thank you so much for the time. Okay. You're welcome. Thank you, Justin. Thank you for listening to On The Move. You can catch our episodes while you're on the move by going to Spotify, Apple, or Google. And to learn more about the Department of Kinesiology and Sport Management, head to knsm.tamu.edu. This podcast is housed in the School of Education and Human Development at Texas A&M University, where we transform lives. <laughs>